Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. In a recent study done by Freedom Debt Relief of people who actually have debt, 26% would rather go to the dentist than talk about debt and finances, and 21% would rather go to the DMV without an appointment. What would you rather do than talk about debt? to burst your bubble. We're going to actually talk about debt in this episode and how it may be holding you back in more ways than you think. Yes, debt sucks. We talk about that often on this podcast. But yes, debt is also sometimes a necessary evil. Although many other money experts would probably argue with me on this point, but I'm not budging. Debt is sometimes what you have to do just to get through the day. And by no means I'm advocating debt. I'm just saying that maybe we can be a little bit looser when it comes to debt. 
Because debt can make you feel alone and worthless and not productive, stressed out, depressed, anxiety-ridden, and just generally pissed off. Getting in a better relationship with your debt can help you in so many ways, more than you can even imagine. So on this episode, Michael from the Freedom Debt Relief is here to break down some interesting findings from their study and drop some knowledge on kicking your debt to the curb. I wanted to start out, the Freedom Debt Relief did his recent study that tracks consumer attitudes around debt, homeownership, other money habits. And I'd like to dive into some of these results. I'm not sure if any of them stood out to me necessarily as shocking, but I think they definitely speak to the financial issues that so many of us are facing. So the first one I wanted to just dive into was that 41% of Americans said they do not set aside money for their retirement plan. So why do you think why do you think this is happening? Because I think this is this is a big one. <laughs> yeah, I mean that definitely is part of this. And as you know, as, as Freedom Debt Relief, Freedom Debt Relief is the leader in consumer debt, understanding consumer debt. That particular question to us really wanted, really looked at why. You know, and when you yeah. look at some of the other questions that were asked and around the retirement question, is that people are living day to day. Uh, they're not even living paycheck to paycheck is sort of that sort of the old way it goes. Maybe it's paycheck to a week. Um, you know, they're right. putting everyday expenses on credit cards, things like groceries, utilities, diapers, those kinds of things are going on to credit cards and folks aren't able to pay them off. So when you see that 41% number for retirement, it's really not shocking. As you sort of pointed out, it's not shocking because of where and the impact of debt is having across just sort of everyday life right now. Yeah, and I I mean this I guess seems like an obvious question, but what sort of ramifications do you see happening society-wise of of a large society being in debt? Well, I think from an aspirational point of view, people aren't able to realize life goals, right? Having kids, getting married, buying a home, those kinds of things are, is one component. The second component to that is always going to be, you know, the debt burden is not allowing you to retire. You know, most people don't want to work till they're 70, right? They would like to retire right. a heck of a lot earlier, right? So from a, from a life, quality of life point of view, it just means that we are simply moving that, that window out a lot farther for a majority of Americans today. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And then the other argument that I hear a lot is whether we have different debt now than say like parents and grandparents or whether it's just the same, but you know, maybe now it's easier it's easier to buy stuff or it's easier to get in credit mm -hmm. card debt than say, you know, if we were in, you know, the 50s and 60s. Like what do you what do you think about that? Like is technology helping us or is it actually hurting us? Well, I think while this wasn't truly addressed in the study, something that we know internally sure. here at Freedom Debt Relief is that the debt composition has changed, even from a decade ago, where when we saw the housing crisis occur, you know, a majority of that debt was secure debt, was tied to the house, right? But even in this last decade, we've seen the rise of what? Student loan debt, you cover this all the time, right? We've seen yeah. that sitting at $1.6 trillion right now. That is definitely different than, you know, 10 years ago to even 50 years ago. Much different, right? But what is that student loan debt doing, right? It's putting pressure on the household budgets, the household income to pay something. Then now that debt is being moved to 
a separate entity, whether that's a personal loan or to to credit cards. And we're seeing right you know, the both of those particular credit models are both you know we're seeing an increase in both credit uh, credit card debt as well as personal loan debt as well. Yeah, and I, I want to get to the interesting stat about college grads, but first, it, it reminds me of another stat I saw in there that I thought was really interesting. Talking about debt, it said of those with debt, twenty six percent would rather go to the dentist <laughs> than talk about debt, and twenty one percent would rather go to the DMV. Which I thought this was funny yeah. without an appointment, which yeah. is always the the death sentence. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we always want to ask some fun question in these surveys, right? Because as you probably read through everything, you know, it's a lot of uh, statistics, a lot of data in here. And we just wanted to see, you know, sort of how people would react to a very fundamental question, right? Is, hey, we don't talk a lot about our money. We don't talk a lot about our finances. We don't talk a lot about our health care. And we certainly don't talk a lot about our education or the cost of education before we take on those student loans. And ultimately, what is the price that's being paid for not talking about these things in advance and being educated by them? Is that we're ending up with a lot of folks that have a lot more debt than typically in 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 the past. So, right. you know, would you go to the DMV to not talk about? It? I mean, basically, that's you know, this is some sort of societal uh, marker right there. It's like I'd rather go to the DMV without an appointment than talk about my debt or my money or my money problems. I asked this question to a lot of different guests, but I I'm really just like intrigued by it. like. Why do you think it is that we don't want to talk about money? Or I mean, I can understand not wanting to talk about debt mm. to, to some point, but why have we like created this society where like money is such this taboo topic? Well, I mean, I think it, it resonates from not wanting to have organic conversations about things that we hold close to the vest. And this is sort of it, it goes into this old perception of you never tell people how much you make right at your job or uh, if somebody was to ask you well how are you feeling today even if you're probably not feeling very well you're not going to give the whole hundred uh, percent fact figures <laughs> around how bad you feel today whether you're you have some sort of stress anxiety you're depressed this all falls into that one bucket for me uh, when when we think about things that are tough to talk about in sort of a societal way, right? Is, hey, I'm not feeling good, but I'm not going to tell you that because that's going to bring you down, Shanna, in your day. I'm not going to do that to you. It's sort of this sort of behind, behind the scenes way of just dealing with, with other people in our lives. And money's the same way. It's like, listen, you, you probably were raised to to, in, in a specific way, and it's not to talk about money, finances, and that just has created this situation where we don't have a lot of financial literacy because you have to actually talk about it. You have to actually engage in conversation around something to be educated around. It's not just a one-way vehicle to go, hey, I'm reading something online. Now I'm educated. It does not work that way with with finance, with finances, exactly. with healthcare. You have to have an open dialogue, organic conversations with friends and family about this because everybody's situation is unique and sort of cookie cutter advice is not going to work in this situation. So, you know, why do we see it that way? I think it, it's a simple matter of how we were raised, how society treats these very uh, touchy-feely topics that we know we'd rather just keep them internalized. Do you think there's ever 
a way to to change this or does it just start really with just a bunch of us having conversations? I think it's it will be a slow generational shift over time. And we're already seeing that with how folks are dealing with you know, how much they make in the workplace and being much more open to uh, to say how much they're making, you know, and that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you would never have even thought that that would, would have occurred, right? So we're starting to see some societal shifts in terms of, hey, this is how much I'm making. And now if we can get to the point of, you know, I am not in control of my finances or I need help or not be afraid to say, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Who do I talk to about this? How do I get the information to make informed choices, informed decisions about my personal finance, my household budgets, so I can retire. I can be in a better place 10, 15, 20 years from now. So I think overall, it will be a generational shift as young people come into the workforce and are much more open and transparent about how much they're making and the problems that they're they're undergoing and the challenges they're facing financially. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. And it, it will be a slow shift. And going back to college, I, I thought one of the, the stats was really interesting that said that 40% of college grads thought their college education was not worth the cost. And I think, again, mm-hmm. that's not maybe necessarily surprising, that stat, but it is because, you know, we're, 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 we're telling people like, hey, you got to go to college to get a good job. And oh, by the way, you could you pretty much got to go in debt to, to get mm-hmm. this college degree. But then students are like, wait a minute, this wasn't even worth it. Like, how do we even wrap our brains around this? Well, I think we we should probably start with, with the young people on this is set proper expectations going into high school, into college, because, you know, you do have this sort of uh, perception that you have to go to college to get an education, to get the job, right? And you know, at what cost? And right. I think that already, I'm, oh, we see this quite a bit. I, I'm seeing this quite a bit with folks in my family that they're having really organic conversations about the cost because when it's for 50, 60, 70, $80,000 a year for some of these colleges, you know, how are you going to get that return on your investment, right? Now, conversely, 60% of those folks that answered that question said it was worth it, right? It is an investment yes. in yourself, right? But you need to go into this with uh, eyes wide open to understand what the cost is going to be and then make sure, you know, there may be other opportunities for you to cut into that cost and not just take on debt to, to go to school. Yeah, that's a good point. And being in debt, having debt, whether it's student debt or credit card debt or whatever it may be, is obviously a huge pain point. It's a pain point for a lot of people that are probably listening to this episode right now. I mean, I've been in debt in my past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say probably most of us have at some point in time, um, which is a reality I like to share as well, that it's not just you and you're not just isolated and you've not failed or whatever that whatever that judgment may be. But you know, what options does someone have if they're staring down the barrel of, of debt? Like, how can they be proactive with this debt when maybe it's just so, so monstrous to them? Well, I think, you know, this is this goes back to something I said earlier about everybody's financial situation is unique. And I try not to get stuck into cookie cutter advice. But you know what, this is goes to talking about this first, understanding the situation that you're in, and then talking to people about what possible tools that are out there to 
you know, get you on that path, right? The path to sort of right. financial recovery, right? And for everybody, it's going to be different. It could be as bad as bankruptcy. It could be debt settlement. It could be debt relief. It could be credit counseling. It could be some sort of debt management program. But there are tools out there for individuals to leverage to get back on that path to make sure that they're not, you know, delaying those life goals that we sort of started the show with, right? Is yeah, absolutely. You want to get married, you want to have kids, you want to buy a house, sort of that American dream. And that, if if anything that I saw out of this survey was some of the housing component stuff that was in there where people were delaying buying a home because of their debt, or uh, in some of our previous surveys where people were delaying having children, delaying getting married because of the amount of debt that they had. And so it's those kind of things. If those are your goals, those are your ambitions, there are opportunities. There are ways for you to get help, to get on that path to recovery. It's not what a sort of all is lost situation for most Americans. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. 
See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm 
for your extended 30-day free trial. We've got an Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Lance. And Lance says, Hi, Shauna. I'm hoping you can help me and my wife think out some ideas. We've both been contributing to our 401ks at work. We're pretty good with steady paychecks, and we just bought our condo last year. But we're by no means rich. But we're also at the stage of life where we feel like we should be doing something more with our cash. I know you can't exactly say what we should do, but what else should we be investing in, doing with our money, etc. now that we have some extra money? I guess I'd call it the leveling up phase, or we finally got our SHIT together phase. Anyway, thanks as always. Lance, my friend, that's a great question, and I love the idea of we're in our get our SHIT together phase. That's, I think a good phase to be in. I I like that. And congrats for sure on all of your progress. It sounds like you have made a lot of really smart money decisions. And you're right. I can't exactly say because there are so many factors that I don't know. And I think that's, again, what makes so tough uh, when you ask these questions, because I really want to give you a strong, firm, definitive, black or white answer. But there's so many other factors that I don't know when you're asking these questions. So I'm just going to give you some food for thought. But I will say, Working with a financial planner, particularly when you're in this phase, is a good idea. Even if it's just a one-off session, a lot of the financial planners have these now, whether it's a pick-my-brain session, whatever they call them, but it's an hour or a couple of hours where you can just fire off as many questions as you have, and they can give you a more accurate direction because they're looking at your finances. They're asking you these questions and they can dig a little bit deeper. So that would be my first thought. But here are some other things. So my first question is, are you contributing the max to your 401k or at least up to the match? If you're contributing up to the match, I would encourage you, if you're not up to the max in your 401k, do that. Put more money into that account. That's a tax-favored account. It's a good idea. But I understand some people don't like to put all their eggs in one basket. I totally understand that. And so that might not feel comfy for you. You have to figure out what feels best for you. But putting more cash away so that you have more options down the line, whether it's retirement or just a different phase of your life where you want to change things up and you've got that cash, you're really going to thank yourself. The second question I would say is, can you also fund a Roth IRA? You got to make sure you're within the income restrictions for 2019 or whatever year you're doing this. So that's something to think about. It's a little bit different uh, tax treatment than the 401k might give you a taste of, I say, kind of both flavors. (laughs) Uh, Roth is great if you can contribute to that. If not, what about opening a brokerage account to invest some extra funds? Maybe you can have a different investment objective in your brokerage fund than you do in your 401k. Like maybe in your brokerage fund, you like to invest in impact funds, whatever gets you excited. But maybe it's just a little bit different slant than what you're doing in your 401k. Also, do you have a will and a trust? Have you created some of these protection documents? If not, 
It's really easy to do these. It's really inexpensive too. It no longer are the days where you have to spend thousands of dollars with an estate planning attorney. Maybe if your situation is more complex, but there are so many services like Tomorrow and Willing that you can set these things up for very nominal costs. Another question I would have is, what about life insurance? Do you own enough life insurance to cover your mortgage and or the loss of income if something happens to you or your wife? So where are you at in that spectrum? A lot of times we get life insurance through our work situation or for an entrepreneur, none at all, and it's not enough to cover us. So think about where those gaps might be. What about charitable contributions? Is there a charity you love? Maybe that's something that's really on your heart. Maybe the idea of investment property gets you so super excited. We were just in Hawaii and I said to Jeff, we are going to buy a condo here if it's the last thing I do. Again, that's probably very far off, but still it was a it was a just a vision that I put out there that this is going to happen. Maybe you're someone like that. Maybe there's some place that gets you really excited or a good investment opportunity now that you've bought your condo. So see, there are just so many things to think about. And I know it can be overwhelming, which is again why working with a CFP might be really advantageous for you if you're in this season of life. And I think those are just a few things for you to bat around with your wife, see if you feel comfy with any of those and just chat them out a little bit. They might also spur on other ideas, things that you haven't thought about. But the most important thing I think to anybody when you're in this phase is don't rush things. Take your time. Think about what you want your life to look like, not only now, but also in the future, because that's going to give you some clues as to the next steps of, of what you do step by step, inch by inch with your money. Again, it's not going to give you all of the roadmap, but it's going to give you some clues as to, nah, I think we should go in this direction. These are the things we really want to focus on. Yeah, that's interesting that you brought up the the home ownership and sort of the delayed uh, goals that that we're seeing as as a reaction or you know maybe even a have to mm-hmm. because of debt. But I, it's just so fascinating to me because I think just from a you know a student of studying money, it's thinking about how then that ripples through everything in in our society, how that's mm. going to change how our society looks five, 10 years, <laughs> even more down the line. I think it's just, it's really interesting when you think about it that way. Right. I mean, and from, from a home ownership point of view on this, uh, this is a situation where, where rents are rising in what I like to call as an uncontrollable cost, right? You have no control over what your rent is going to be a year from now, five years from now, if you're on the rent treadmill. Once you get locked into your monthly payment for a mortgage, whether that's 15, a 30 year, some sort of arm product, whatever you're choosing to take on in terms of debt. But the benefit of that is you know exactly what your monthly payment is going to be for the foreseeable future. You're not going to see those spikes. That gives you the opportunity then to perhaps tackle some of the other, you know, sort of the the quality of life issues that are going out there, maybe manage your debt in a more proactive way, right? You may not be able to deal with it today, but because housing is such a large component of most people's household budget, 
if that, if there is instability in that where there's, it goes up, it could go up more than what you thought it was going to be, as opposed to the opposite where you have a fixed 30 year mortgage, you know exactly what that is going to be today. 30 years into the future, you know exactly what it's going to be. It allows you to better budget uh, and to tackle some of the other, uh, the marriage, the kids and the other things that are going on in your life. The other, the other expensive things. The, the other really <laughs> expensive things like diapers. I'm a father. Uh, and you wouldn't even believe how much, you know, goes into raising a child. Right. And so I think that's, that's part of that is like, if you have, uh, the inability to know what your housing is going to be and how much you're going to have to earmark for that, as opposed to somebody that does own and you know exactly what that cost is going to be. It allows you to better prepare for putting money into a 529 plan for your kids. So they're not in student, you know, they don't have to take on student loans and other things like that. So it's, it's one of these cyclical items where it's a hey, student loans are student loan debt's a major problem. But what is it impacting? Uh, credit card debt's a major problem, but what is it impacting besides having to make those monthly payments? It is much more a robust problem than I think most people uh, would think that it is. Yeah, that's such a good point. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit uh, about your own story. Like, what makes you so passionate about helping others with their money and and help helping others get out of debt? Well, I think for for me, I'm a for, former reporter from a very long time ago now, but it was always been about bringing best the best information possible to an audience so they can go out and do their research, self-research, have those conversations that we talked about earlier. Uh, and, you know, sort of my background has been in in mortgage, in housing, in healthcare. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've sort of landed here in, in a place where I'm able to take a look at sort of this, the debt portfolio for an individual and go, there are a lot of opportunities for folks to get out of debt. There are a lot of folks to take advantage of the, the products, the services, the tools that are out there today to get on a better path. And so from my point of view, it's always been about, can I give somebody that's listening today a little bit of hope, a little bit of information, so they're going to go out and ask the right questions of a financial advisor, of a friend, a family member, to start that process to go, you know what, this all is not lost. I can do this. I can get on a path that's going to ultimately lead to, to greater prosperity. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. That's such a great mission. And I know particularly when we talk about debt relief, I get asked a lot of questions from people who are in various types of debt and, um, they're nervous about, you know, any kind of debt relief program. Mm -hmm. Is someone trying to take advantage of them? Is this good deal? Is, I mean, I think it's hard for a consumer to, especially if you're younger to really work your way through that. I mean, the idea of not having debt sounds really great and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so how, how are like, what suggestions would you give someone of figuring out or making their way through different like debt relief programs to know if something is, is maybe a match for them? Well, I think this goes back to sort of the uniqueness of every person, but on, on the top line, if you're looking at a debt settlement program, you're looking at bankruptcy, you're looking at something, don't just take the person that you're talking with sort of at, at, at face value. You have to go into this and look at all of your options, right? For, for many people, debt settlement could be something that works for them. For others, it could be a debt management program. For others, it could be bankruptcy. But really what you're looking for is how can I quickly and efficiently get out of debt so I can get on with my life, right? And for, for you know, millions of Americans, debt settlement is that tool. For others, it's, it's something else. And at the end of the day, it's 
you know, you, you have to be sure this is no different than dealing with any other financial services company. You need to be sure that it is the right fit for you and your particular unique financial situation that you that you have today. Yeah, are there any uh, are there any questions or things that come to mind? Like somebody should maybe like filter through when they're when they're evaluating different companies. Well, I think it's you need to know you need you need to know your own sort of debt portfolio. What kind of debt do you have? Do you have a lot of secure debt? Do you have auto loans? Do you have mortgage? Do you have a mortgage? Do you have a HELOC? Do you have some other sort of line of credit attached to your house? Do you have a lot of unsecured debt? Uh, credit cards, uh, other things, uh, you know, like personal loans, or do you have a lot of student loan debt, which there's very little one can do to sort of mitigate the issue of student loan debt. It's one of those things that right. sticks with you forever, essentially, right? And can be passed on to uh, your heirs and whatnot. But it, it, you need to understand what your debt is before you can start to go out and find solutions. And that's going to bring me to something that I found was very interesting in the study. Yeah. We asked this question about the pay stub. Um, And I don't know if you picked up on this. And there was a reason why we asked this question. We had just come out of April, which is Financial Literacy Awareness Month. And there were all these very comprehensive, robust sort of plans to understand what's what's happening with your financial life. And the one thing that was missing out of all this sort of advice was the fact that there's this pay stub that has quite a bit of information about money going in and money going out. And we we wanted to ask this very fundamental question, like how often do you check this particular document that's very valuable? Everything from healthcare to all the different taxes to retirement, everything that's that's coming in and going out. And I think it was like 55% of folks said that they had checked at their last pay stub. But there was a large group somewhere in the neighborhood of like 25% that had gone more than three months without checking your pay stub. And that to me sort of signals area one for not understanding what's going on with your money. If you don't check it, and I understand that a lot of people right now, they probably get direct deposit and they know exactly what is going into their bank account. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go in there and check to see, well, how much am I paying for my health care this month? Or did, exactly. they, did they take the appropriate number, uh, the, the appropriate dollar amount for my 401k? Uh, and so that was a little shocking to us that the number was that high for two reasons. One, it's probably best practice to do it. And two, with all of the tax changes that just occurred going into this latest tax cycle, we thought that most people would have checked it you know, right away. Because a lot of people got uh, a reduction in their tax refund because uh, more money is being put into your paycheck, right? So we thought more people yeah. would gone in to take a look at that to see what their withholdings were, what what was going on. But the fact that that number was so high, uh, you know, sort of is indicative of you know maybe it's a set it and forget it problem where technology and ease of use and your money's just going into your bank account. You really don't understand where your money's going. Uh, and so that that was very uh, surprising to us as an organization to see that particular level of folks just not checking a basic fundamental tool to understand where their money was going. Yeah, because I mean that that paycheck is is everything. I mean that is your that is your way to pay for everything. Yeah. And so you know, particularly if you're if you get a raise or something like that. I I mean I have definitely seen errors on paychecks before uh, in the past. And so it's not, it's not uncommon, but even just for you, 
like you said, to have that awareness of what's going on. I mean that, but I think that goes back to what we, we talked about in the beginning was just being people, people don't like to talk or think, or, uh, you know, they don't like to have these conversations mm-hmm. around money. I mean, this is like, it's just like, just put it in my bank account and I'll deal with it later. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and for a lot of, for a lot of folks, it works, you know, the money comes in and then auto bill or auto pay ACH takes, takes effect to pay off the rest of your bills. And, you really have no insight outside of the fact that you've paid your bills. But, you know, what is that dollar amount? You know, are you overpaying for your cable bill? Are you overpaying for your telephone bill? Are you leveraging some of the corporate benefits, perhaps, to get some discounts to save a few extra dollars here or there, uh, you know, across, you know, all these different bills and the bills that somebody would have. So it, it was it was really shocking to us when we saw that number to be that high, that, that folks simply just didn't check it. And it's it's a technology thing and it's out of sight, out of mind at the end of the day. That's probably what's going on there in terms of behavior. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, I would love if if you have maybe one or two other gems that, that we could focus on uh, to, to round this out of what somebody should be thinking about in terms of either their debt or, or their finances going into the summer, like, were there any other alarming things that kind of came out that you're like, okay, these are things that maybe people really need to be aware of? Um, I mean, you had asked the question earlier, and I'm going to join these two questions together about, you know, how people, you know, sort of interact with their debt and what should they know is that there was another bit of nugget here that 18% of folks said that the that their debt, their debt burden was impacting their productivity at work. If you think that that's going on, you probably have a problem. And more importantly, if it's impacting your productivity at work, it's probably impacting your personal life as well. So that could be a, a good gauge, a good measure for you. If, if you know, you're unsure if you're having a debt problem, if you're having those sort of anxiety, you're having anxiety, you're having stress, you're having other thoughts around the debt or it's becoming consuming to you and it's impacting productivity or perhaps your personal relationships, that's something that maybe you need to take a step back and sort of go into this idea of understanding what your your debt portfolio looks like. Um, and I think the other thing that is really, really important as we go into the summer months, as we know that people take vacations and people tend to put things on credit cards that you know perhaps they cannot afford, is that uh, as more people put just day-to-day items, the groceries, the food, the diapers, those types of things on their credit cards, make sure if you're putting it on your card, make sure you can pay it off. Otherwise, maybe you're not going to be in the best position to take that vacation because you simply can't afford it. Yeah, that's such great advice. Well, Michael, this has been so informative. I'd love for you to tell the listeners uh, where they can connect to uh, Freedom Debt Relief and where they can connect to you. Oh, absolutely. So uh, the best way to sort of, if you wanted to take a look at the rest of the uh, the survey and the results from that, uh, from those insights that we talked about today is just go to freedomdebtrelief.com backslash newsroom. Uh, there's a whole of other, there's a whole bunch of other surveys and other data points that we have up there as well to just to, to better understand consumer behavior and consumer challenges, especially around finances. Uh, and if uh, you're looking to follow me, I'm available on Micheletti SF on Twitter. I'm always a good follow if you're wanting to find some information in and around healthcare, housing, debt. It's usually what I'm tweeting about. Thanks so much for checking out this episode and a big thanks to our sponsors that make this show possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. 
But before you leave, I want to empower you to embrace where you are today, the good and the not so good. And remember, nothing lasts forever. Just keep taking small steps every day and remember how awesome you truly are.